Broadcasting live from the North Fulton Business Radio X studio, it's time for To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. To Your Health is brought to you by Morrow Family Medicine, an award-winning primary care practice, which brings the care back to health care. Oh, welcome. I am Jim Morrow, Dr. Jim Morrow with Morrow Family Medicine, which is now, we're happy to say, Village Medical. And I think uh, it's been two years now, and I think people are getting accustomed to the, the idea that we are Village Medical. <clears throat> uh, if you're not familiar, Village Medical is a nationwide primary care practice. We have numerous locations around the metro Atlanta area and Georgia in general, uh, along with, I think, 11 maybe other states across the country, uh, doing a lot of advertising, trying to let people know about the good care we're giving at Village Medical. If you're looking for a primary care doctor, I would encourage you to check out Village Medical, uh, Mara Family Medicine's website at marafammed.com is still out there. And so if you want to do that, that's a great idea as well. And I'm doing something today that I don't do very often. I have a guest, which is very obvious, Dr. Nitty Gupta, who's here with us. And she is going to talk with us about digital addiction. And I'm just so excited to hear about it because I think, I think everyone would agree that it is a major problem. The, uh, I was reading about this, and the first cell phone was introduced in the United States 50 years ago, 1973. And by 2018, 77% of the population in America had a smartphone, not just a phone, but a smartphone. And that proportion is now getting close to 95%. I mean, when you see somebody that doesn't have a phone, a cell phone, you're shocked by it. And when they don't have a smartphone, it's still something else of a surprise. And internet addiction and the digital addiction is a disabling condition, a, a disabling condition, I should say, that is important worldwide. And so I, I think it's a, a great thing to have uh, Dr. Gupta with us today so we can learn more about not only what this means, but what can we do to keep especially our children from suffering problems from this down the road. Dr. Nidhi Gupta is a pediatric endocrinologist and an award-winning researcher, and she's done work also on this particular topic, been featured on numerous podcasts, and we're happy to have her today. Thank you so much for joining us, Nidhi. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for having me on your show. It's a pleasure to be here today. Well, tell me, if you will, how you got started being a pediatric endocrinologist. How did you get started doing this? So as a pediatric endocrinologist, Jim, in the very first few years of um, practicing, I started noticing a disturbing trend. I noticed that the incidence of several health conditions, such as obesity, diabetes, prediabetes, precocious puberty, sleep disorders, behavior health issues, they were increasing. And they were showing up in my clinic in a variety of different endocrine fashions. I looked into it a little bit more and I realized that several of these issues were directly or indirectly related to our obsession with our devices. That worried me on many levels. And like a typical physician, I started looking at it from a research perspective. What is the evidence behind it? What what has medicine taught us about this? And also to see if I could help my patients with what I call wireless mobile device addiction. My research gradually evolved into launching an official platform. I call this platform Freedom, 
which I spell with a P-H instead of F, so phone freedom. The core mission of freedom is to empower us all with knowledge about wireless mobile device addiction so that we can all change our attitudes and achieve life technology balance. The expectation is not to give up smartphones or to give up smart devices, but to aim for balance and moderation. I think that's amazing. I can certainly see how you would see some of these things in your clinic, but tell us, if you will, in specifics, why a, a technology addiction or phone addiction is a dangerous thing. Let me share with you some very specific research data, the magnitude of the problem. Some of it speaks to what you mentioned earlier in the introduction about the number of people who have access to smartphones and internet. Jim, there are over 6 billion smartphone users worldwide, and the population of the world is about 7.5 billion. This number of people who have access to smartphones is expected to grow by another several millions over the next five years. When I think of wireless mobile device or smartphone addiction, there are four major areas of health and well-being that are impacted. Obesity, sleep, mental health, and distracted driving. So let me share some research about each one of those. For obesity, there was recently a study published in New England Journal of Medicine that projected that by year 2030, so in only about seven years from now, 50% adults in the U.S. will be clinically obese. And device addiction has a major role to play in that. As you can imagine, excessive screen time promotes sedentary behavior. It makes us snack while we don't need to or want to. We're just snacking subconsciously. And our feeling of satiety just goes out the window. We don't know when to stop. We don't know when we are full. We just keep eating. So obesity is one. Second health issue is sleep. National Sleep Foundation of America conducted a Sleep in America poll. They found that 9 out of 10 Americans use a technological device in the hour before bed. The more interactive the device is, the harder it is to fall asleep. And we know as pediatricians that if you don't get a good night's sleep, you will be fatigued the next day. You will not make good choices when it comes to food. And you will be tired. Your efficiency will be low. Your productivity will productivity will be low. 70% adolescents in the U.S. also do not get enough sleep, which then impacts their school performance and increases their risk for suicide. Third health issue, depression. According to the 2021 State of Mental Health in America report, anxiety was up by 600% and depression was up by nearly 900%. We like to think that we are digitally connected, right? But we are becoming socially and emotionally disconnected. The fourth health issue, distracted driving. I know, Jim, you've had a previous guest on one of your episodes who spoke passionately about distracted driving, primarily driven by her own encounter with a distracted driver, Distracted driving was the cause for 70% crashes in the U.S. in a recent year. And if we can all learn to drive without distractions, we might be able to avoid nearly 4 million of the 11 million crashes that occur in the U.S. annually. So there are massive impacts of 
excessive use of wireless mobile devices on health. These are three or four major ones. The list is endless from musculoskeletal issues to wrist problems to eye issues, dry skins, exacerbation of uh, skin conditions. It, It just goes on and on. Well, you mentioned sleep, and I know that's a, a, a very important part of of our daily cycle. Uh, I've done a, a podcast about sleep. I tell everybody I see that's not sleeping well. If you're not sleeping well, you need to do whatever you have to do to start sleeping well. Uh, but I saw a, actually one of my PAs, saw a report about a problem with having the phone at the bedside. Tell me about that. I don't, I'm a little bit ignorant of that. So one of the research studies showed that simply the presence of your wireless mobile device by your bedside while you are sleeping, and even if you are not using it, is enough to cause distracted or interrupted sleep. Because having your phone right there by your bedside puts your mind in a state of alarm. It's like going to bed with a chocolate chip cookie by your bedside. You will wake up in the morning and you will invariably eat it. So when you have your phone by your bedside, you will check it first thing in the morning. When we are interacting with our device at bedtime, the blue light from the screen inhibits the melatonin in our brain. Melatonin is the sleep-inducing hormone. We often end up taking melatonin pills to help us go to bed, but at the same time, we are indulging in habits that are inhibiting our own body from producing melatonin. Then the content that we access on the devices, social media, internet, all of that puts our brain in a hyper arousal mode. It stimulates our brain while actually at bedtime, we need to be winding down. We need to be maybe just read a book and gather all of our energies together so that we can have good quality sleep for enough number of hours. I've seen some people that uh, use in some companies that advertise uh, selling lenses that filter out the blue from the screen. Does that have an impact on directly on sleep? It's too early to say, Jim, if those will help. If they do, well, they might eliminate the problem of blue light, but the hyperarousal from the content that we are reading right before bedtime, the procrastination of sleep, because once we start doom scrolling, Before you know it, it's 2 a.m. and it's time to wake up already almost in a few hours. All of those issues will still not be resolved. I'm hopeful that the lenses can filter out the blue light so that melatonin is not inhibited, but rest of the factors still remain. Okay. Well, I I know if you gave me a choice between having a chocolate chip cookie at my bedside and a phone, I'd take a chocolate (laughs) chip cookie every time. And I'm sure I would, I'm sure it would be gone in the morning also. Um, you know, thinking about uh, handheld devices in general and things, we're not just talking about phones, or we're, at least we're not talking about screens necessarily. Uh, you see people all the time that are, are listening to music and wearing earbuds, they're riding a bike or they're running and that kind of thing. I mean, this, this introduces a whole other aspect of safety or the lack thereof, doesn't it? It does. It does. And that is why when I talk about digital wellness, I do not focus only on smartphones or handheld devices. I use an umbrella term, wireless mobile devices. So any device that is mobile, 
and uses wireless network to send or receive information. In this umbrella term, I include smartphones, smartwatches, laptops, tablets, iPads, and for completion's sake, I throw in the TV and video games as well. Even though the last two are not necessarily mobile, they share a lot of common features and they are based off of internet, which then introduces the addictive capabilities in them. And about the addictive part, can you tell us about the actual science, the neuroscience that's involved in that happening? Yes, Jim. There are, unfortunately, several similarities in the criteria that are used to diagnose a person with behavior addiction or substance addiction and the criteria that are used to diagnose problematic cell phone use. And the bottom line of all of these psychological phenomena lies dopamine, the neurotransmitter. We often think of dopamine as a pleasure hormone. Dopamine is, is a little bit more complicated than that. Dopamine is released in our brain in response to any reward-related cue. So think sugar or fat or um, salt, right? Think notification. Every time there is a notification on our phone, a ding, a buzz, a shine, the flash of the screen, that is a cue for our brain to release dopamine. The dopamine spikes high. It causes an intense craving. The craving then makes us reach for our device. And when we reach for our device, we find a reward waiting for us in the device. And that reward could be a new email, a new post, a new like, a new comment. Somebody told, commented on our social media post, oh, you look so pretty. Oh, your children are gorgeous. Oh, where are you on vacation? I'm so jealous. We feel validated. We, we crave validation and we go back for that validation over and over again. Over time, our brain gets conditioned in such a manner that every time there is a reward, we are looking for the next cue. Every time there is a cue, we just can't wait to get that next reward. I call this the trigger loop of wireless mobile devices. The four steps of trigger loop are the cue of notification, the craving of dopamine, the response to reach for the device, and the reward that waits for us in there. Simply put, it sounds like it's Pavlov and the dog all over again. It is all over again. And just seems to never stop, really. Um, obesity. Uh, it's it's a, obviously a huge problem. I, would, I, I share the problem. It's pretty obvious to anybody. Uh, and it's a difficult thing to talk about with patients because they're uh, – aware of it, self-aware of it and so forth. And sometimes embarrassed and sometimes angry and so forth. I was trying to have a conversation with a patient about it in the not too distant past, a lady, and I was trying my best not to be harsh. And finally, I think I got the point across and she said, well, you're fat. Oh my I, said, <laughs> I said, well, I am, but I'm not at the doctor today. <laughs> Nitty, let me ask you about obesity. Is there some relationship to obesity other than just being more sedentary when you're on the phone all the time? So Jim, spending a lot of time watching any kind of media, maybe TV, maybe Netflix, maybe social media, it promotes subconscious snacking. We are not entirely mindful of our satiety. We lose that feeling of fullness. And now we have enough research to show that 
children who are children or even adults who are snacking while they're watching TV or playing video games are more likely to eat more. More cortisol. Cortisol helps us maintain blood sugars and blood pressure, and it so increases your weight. So the best way to not be obese is one, get good quality sleep. Second, delete social media applications. And in your work and in your podcast, you talk about the life technology balance. So without us having to go back to a flip phone or a landline, heaven forbid, or the (laughs) the big phone that looks like you're calling in airstrikes in the world war two, how do you do that? What can we, what can be done to achieve this sort of balance and still take advantage of this technology? It's going to be very hard. It's going to be almost novel because the idea of life technology balance is very new and the idea of smartphone is very new. The first smartphone was launched by Apple in 2009, so only about a decade ago. We know way more about alcohol addiction and drug addiction because they have been around for centuries. But for smartphone addiction, we have only had about a decade of experience and more research in the last five years of that that decade. So we have to come up with strategies that work for us. What works for us might not work for the family down the road, might not work for our other colleagues. I talked about the trigger loop of wireless mobile devices. The way to achieve life technology balance is to try and break the trigger loop of wireless mobile devices. So there were four steps of the trigger loop. There are four steps to breaking the trigger loop. The first step is to delete the queue. The second step is to damp the craving. The third step is to weaken our robotic response to reach for the devices. And the fourth step is to make the devices boring and unappealing, dull the reward. So those are the four big picture uh, guidelines or suggestions or tools to achieve life technology balance. There are numerous nuances within each of these, like how do you delete the queue? How do you damp the craving? Well, I, I can just see a family of four with a mom, dad, and two teenage kids or preteens even, you know, trying to sit and talk about how they're going to make this change. And have you had experience yourself or do you, do you have guidance for parents about how to get this subject across to their children? Because I can't think of many things that would give more negative feedback than trying to do this. Yes, I offer digital wellness coaching in my clinic uh, here in Franklin, Tennessee, Jim. And I've had experience with numerous families where the conversation generally begins around the excessive screen time of the child. But I gear that conversation from the child to the parent. The screen time of the parent. The step one to achieving digital wellness for a child is to achieve digital wellness for the adults in that family. I teach families and parents to be role models for their kids. If they cannot deal with their own craving and dependency on their devices, it's not fair to expect children to exercise their self-discipline and willpower to, to combat the content that is designed by brilliant minds 
that is designed by developers who are paid millions of dollars to develop such content. They are familiar with how our brain works. So parents need to get a better handle on their own digital wellness, not just at home, but while driving too. Remember, our kids are watching us at all the time. If when they watch us checking our phones while driving, they would walk away with the message that it's okay and it's normal to do this. When they see us engaged with our phone, when we are talking to our spouses, they would think that that's okay and that's normal. And when they get a smartphone of their own, gosh, it's going to come back and bite like anything. I think you may have just nailed what is wrong with the entire world in general right there. Uh, Parents not wanting to parent, parents not being willing to make changes in their own lives, lives that they understand would be beneficial for the children because it's not easy. It's not what they really want. But if they do want their children to be better and healthier, I can certainly see the need to do that. I can certainly see that making a difference. Absolutely. Parents often tend, I don't want to judge. I sometimes do that myself as a busy professional and as a mother of two children. But more and more what I'm seeing is that devices and technology has become the pseudo babysitter. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We see that in the office, you see it in the grocery store, you see it at my own home when the kids and grandkids are visiting and uh, I see it in myself and my wife tells me to just watch something while she's getting dinner ready because I'm bugging her. I can just imagine (laughs) that right now. Um, Well, if you will tell us and our listeners how they can get more information, uh, your website, your information about you and how they can can get more information about this, because I think this is going to pique their interest and they're going to want to look into it. Absolutely. The best way to reach more information on my website about digital wellness is www.reconnect.expert. So R-E-C-O-N-N-E-C-T, reconnect.expert, where I talk about reclaiming our time and attention in this technology-driven economy, in this economy that is designed to grip Uh, our time and attention. We need to reclaim all of that back. So visit Freedom Ungrip Devices Grip Life at www.reconnect.expert. On the blog page, you will find lots of videos that I have recorded. Please don't spend too much time watching those videos because then that takes you away from life technology balance. If there is something else that needs to be done, please do that first. Do not procrastinate, exercise, and sleep to watch my videos. There are research articles that were recently published in medical journals on this topic. And I'm also going to be giving a TEDx talk on this topic next month. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, hopefully we'll uh, get a link to that and we can add that into the show notes once that happens. So I want to thank you very much for being with us. I appreciate the time. I think this is a, a fantastic topic and I think we'll get a lot of interest stirred up and hopefully be able to help some people because it's a, it's a worldwide problem. And I think we're not doing anything right now to make it better. So hopefully we can start. So I want to thank you for joining me. And so now that's to your health.